0: The Ringer NBA Show, brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in just 10 seconds in just three taps and a swipe. Now, this is a true story. I used Hotel Tonight this past weekend. I was on my way down to Florida, and I uh, I needed a place to stay, and I, I was just done driving for the night. And I stayed at a hotel in meridian mississippi and i pulled up the hotel tonight app on my phone found one that was perfect and it took two seconds i mean i did it in the car while i was driving get to hotel tonight app and start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels that's hotel tonight the only booking app you need Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert a.k.a. Kevin O'Comment a.k.a. Kevin
1: O'Climber Kevin Vernon, <laughs> I'm back in L.A. from San Francisco. It's a good, good time this weekend.
0: Since we last spoke it uh, I have gathered that somebody out there might be trying to take your a.k.a. corner but we're not gonna let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna (laughs) Let that happen. Um, All right, you were at Finals game number one and game number two, and it is interesting (laughs) because I I think it's fair to say the talk after game number one was the uh, the Warriors um, came out on top in overtime, but you had the supernova performance by LeBron and the Cavs blew it. Like that was the general narrative. It was all J.R. Smith. And they blew it. And I don't think that anybody walked away from that game thinking, well, this can't be competitive. And yet, after last night's game, the sentiment seems like it changed dramatically. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people after game one, Chris, were like, oh, we, you know, if we're going to get a series. You know, Cavaliers are going to shoot the ball better in game two, which they did by you know, like, you know, uh, six percentage points or something like that. But no, man, Golden State has a higher level that they can reach.
0: Okay, hear me out on this. Okay, I will say that this may be so and it may just be a bombing. But after game one, I thought to myself, as that game as that game was playing out, I was thinking, boy, they've got the goods to be able to absolutely demolish them on the boards. And Golden State has shot pretty well from three. Ended up 36%, I think, in that game. They also only missed one free throw, and they went to the free throw 20 times. But I thought in terms of getting more field goal attempts, being able to uh keep Golden State from getting on the big runs and running away with it, I thought they did a really good job out of that. And so, uh, it, all right, this is what I'm saying. Hear me out on. Game two was the, they, they were dead before that game even started. That's how I felt. And for many, many years, I've covered college football and sometimes you'll see like a team that gets their heart ripped out. They'll lose on like a Hail Mary or something terrible happens. And then the next week, you won't even recognize that team because they've spent the whole week with everybody in their life, either telling them in person or texting them or calling them. About, dude, what happened? What happened? Or that was ridiculous or your coach sucks or whatever. It's just constant negativity. And especially with young guys, they can't get over it quickly. Well, now you have a shorter time span, but it was like, I think you'll admit, once game one ended, it was like there was no game two that existed. It was all the talk all the way up to it was, the J.R. Smith, what the hell happened? You guys blew it. Even this morning, what was the thing that was getting viral? It was the video of LeBron and J.R. Smith and and George Hill on the bench, right? It's like it's like Game Two almost never even happened, and so when all your you know all their friends, all their family. Everybody's going, man, Ty sucks and man, Jr. effed up and all you're talking about is that game. Then the next game, you're just dead. And so I'm almost willing to write off game two on the on the competitive side and kind of think that in game three, Cleveland could could be super competitive again. What do you think?
1: You would hope so. Otherwise, it's time to press the simulate rest of season button and just get this <laughs> over with. I'm ready for the draft and free agency, but you would hope Cleveland, yeah, that they do come back and have a better effort. But as you said, Chris, that stuff hasn't gone away. Uh, you know, people are probably still in the you know the players' ears saying this and that. As you mentioned, that video from game one went viral right before game two and then after game two that's not going away either the LeBron James memes with him pointing the other way it's not going the other way none of it's going the other way because that was such a remarkable moment in the game I've never seen a, a play so poor in in my time watching the finals uh granted Jar something had a great play to rebound the ball, but then what followed obviously was horrific. It's hard to get by that. Um, to me, Chris, it, it's really just about basketball. Um, I, I think Cleveland has the ability to move on. It's not like they they did poorly in the first quarter. They were only tra- trailed by four. They actually went up. They actually um, outscored Golden State in the third quarter in game two. It's not like that they were just flat the whole way through. So I think that they maybe have moved on. It's just about the fact that Golden State is significantly better and Cleveland needs to make some strategic changes.
0: Okay, let's talk about, oh, well, there's no doubt Golden State is significantly better. Yeah,
1: that's like but, a Captain Obvious statement. <laughs>
0: but, 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 the, but, the, but the one thing is, you know, there is a lot of, uh, you know, Ty Lu's taking a lot of heat um, and everybody's got their own things that they should be doing right why are you playing like he played what was it who was it jordan clarkson the other night and there was even a lot of criticism over that i mean the guy played eight minutes and it felt like even bigger than than eight minutes. And it's like, why doesn't he play Rodney Hood more? It's why hard to believe it was only or, eight minutes, by the way. Like, I know. It,
1: it's stunning. Like, it was 17 minutes in game one. <laughs> it
0: felt like forever? Yeah, like, he was like 17
1: <laughs> minutes in game one. Somehow he went plus eight, right? In right. game two, he was out there for eight minutes, and it felt like it was more like 20-ish, right? Right. It, it's really weird. Well, and nobody noticed the 17
0: that he played in the game before, really. Because it wasn't destructive. I mean, he was two for nine, but I mean, it wasn't like they were getting murdered with him on the court is the problem.
1: They weren't getting murdered with him on the court, but he was murdering them by being on the court with some of the (laughs) shots.
0: Well, the other thing was Jeff Green. Jeff Green plays what? Like almost 40 minutes, I think, in the first game. And then 36 and then 20. Okay. Yeah. And then 20. And Nance too. Nance played less minutes. It felt like Nance I was like nineteen to twelve. It, I don't know. I I was kind of. I thought it was a little odd to change. I don't know how much I would have changed rotations after game one. Honestly, in terms of minutes. I mean, what they should have won the game. They were right there. They had it. And so, like, I don't know. I don't think you need to make some kind of drastic changes between one and two. And it just felt like. There was a lot of searching going on, and the other thing is, uh, you know, there was a lot of searching going on, and for them, throughout that, uh, throughout that second game, but they just weren't mentally there. You're just not. You're just not. I mean, you've just spent forty eight hours talking about how you friggin' blew it, and (laughs) I, I thought they were getting fed to the wolves last night, and unfortunately, we ended up with non competition.
1: It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It really does suck. I mean, we have LeBron James over here, 51-8-8 eight and eight in Game 1, 29-13-9 and nine in Game 2. And somehow, after a really good performance from him in Game 2, it feels like well, LeBron needed to give him more. LeBron needed to give him more. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's unfair to expect that. I talked about this yesterday with Gons after the game. It's just you can't expect more from him. I think it needs to come from everybody else. The question is, is, where do you get that from? Kyle Corver is being smothered right now. You're not getting it from the the younger additions like Jordan Clarkson or Larry Nance. Is it Rodney Hood? Maybe George Hill needs to elevate his play even to a higher level. J.R. Smith needs to catch a hot streak. Kevin Love needs to become Minnesota Kevin Love. Like, like Kevin Love especially, Chris, I think with him... He He's played fairly well, I think, in both games overall. I'd, I'd be satisfied with what Kevin Love's done, but I, I want to see them run more actions for him and get him going even more. They, they were doing some creative stuff at the beginning of both games, and I want to see him go back to that more. They need to get Kevin Love rolling at an even higher level.
0: Alright, Kev, we'll get right back to it. First, we've got to hear from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for a great value. I the SeatGeek app on my phone and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek today because I'm going to be going on a trip in New York later in the summer and I was looking for a ticket for a show in New York. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades Every ticket based on the value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports to concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RingerNBA today. That's the promo code Ringer NBA for twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right? Seat, right now, right from your phone. I'll, I, the other thing, let me just speak on the Corver thing because he is getting smothered, but you have to smother him thirty-five feet away from the basket. I still think there's a like. Even if he is not making shots, which he's not in this series, even if he's not a big offensive threat, we've talked about in the past, he's a, he's a pretty good team defender. You know, is smart enough to be in the right place at the right time. And beyond that, he stretches the floor for you. There is a value in that. It is a value that is hard to put, uh, some kind of, you know, number on. But just the fact that the spacing becomes so much greater when he's out on the floor, he has to be honored all the way out to 35 feet. And when you're playing a team against Golden State that switches so much and that can really move in space, I think that just creating more space, because who else do you feel like you've really got to honor? And when you're talking about LeBron running the show at least you're getting more open lanes, I think, the more often Kyle Korver's out there. So I'm not sure i buy. I'd still throw him out there for more minutes just because of th- what he does for their spacing.
1: Yeah, I think that's, a, that's certainly a strong ar- argument to be made for more Korver for that exact reason, or even if he's not filling it up from three point range which he's probably not gonna just because of the fact that they've defended him extremely well ever since Cleveland got him in last year's finals Golden State did a really good job containing him as well and that's not gonna change but maybe by playing Korver for 25 to 30 instead of like 17, 18 you do increase floor spacing and that's what I mean like when it comes to a strategic shift Maybe maybe you go a little bit smaller, and that could be playing into Golden State's hands because that's when they're at their best too, with Draymond at the five. But maybe 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 that's what you need to do. Maybe you do need to play core for more in order to space the floor and create that's even my more opinion. driving lands. That's LeBron. my
0: opinion. And the other thing is to give more space for Love to operate. Because there's only two guys you really have to honor. And it's the two guys that have gone for, you know, the majority of their points the last two games. I mean, in the game one, Love has 21 and, and LeBron has 51. OK, so that's 72 of your points. Yo. <laughs> OK, LeBron had 50 and 51 of those, though.
1: I mean, I'm aware. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm aware. But listen, nobody else on the team scored. Yeah. Nobody. There's one other guy in double digits. That was Jr. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He had 10. So in Game 2, likewise... He had had a big rebound at the end of the game, too.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm aware. In Game 2, they got 51 points, right, Kev, between those two guys, Love and James. Well, they only scored 103. So I'm saying, like, if I'm Golden State, I'm really only super worried about two guys. So that's the value of at least, I think, having Corver out there for big minutes because... His guy, whoever it is, whoever it is, he's not pinching down. You're not running away from Kyle Corver, because otherwise it's death, even if you just set him up in the corner, right? Like usually that guy from the corner on your basic play, if a guy's driving in, whoever the corner guy is, if his guy leaves to go help, well, then they just kick it out and that's where you bury shots. But nobody ever leaves Corver. And I think that creates Great value for both LeBron and Love, who are the only two friggin' guys that seemingly can score on this team.
1: <laughs> I, I, f- I feel like, you know, when we're talking about Cleveland, like we're like the topic of how can they make the series competitive? How could they possibly upset goal and say it? We're almost asking their players to become players that they're not. Like last know. night, Ty Lu had a quote um when he was asked actually about Corver. And he mentioned exactly what we talked about. You know, they're just denying him. They're switching out. They're just denying Corver. And then he went out of his way. He's like, but Jeff could be more assertive. <laughs> like like Jeff Green could be more assertive attacking the basket offensively and not settling. And it's like, have, we've been watching this guy for 10 years now. Oh. That's who he is. It's not going right. to change suddenly. The, the light bulb's not going to turn on in the middle of June 2018 um, when he was drafted over ten years ago, it's not going to happen now. We're, we're, the the expectation for the, the other guys on the team is for them to become somebody that are not. It's not happening. That that's why to me maybe you throw out Rodney Hood. I know he was absolutely horrific ever since Cleveland um, acquired him at the deadline, but at least prior to that he was a seventeen point per game scorer. May, maybe he goes back to that. You have you have to do something, and and Rodney Hood could perhaps throw. Uh, give you some buckets off the bench
0: i like nance and i like corver in terms of their bench those are two guys that i i, I, I would mean, just be more,
1: more than those so you're telling you're saying a seven man rotation
0: i mean i just, I just <laughs> so, so, you're, so you're,
1: you're even like getting rid right of jeff green you need to play jeff green that's that's part oh, of the I, problem I, I,
0: I couldn't have less use for him
1: Jeff Green was <laughs> solid in game one, though. What? Solid. He was, solid. He was okay. Solid? I'm, we're talking about Jeff Green uh, here. You, you, we, need ta- a, listen, we need to have listen, a discussion on listen, solid. we're talking. <laughs> 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 Fine, he was passable. Like, like if you were, if you, passable? <laughs> passable. <laughs> I mean, what's the standard here? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I, I, if you're on the Jeff Green meter, I guess, pass, I guess passable. Yeah, that's I'm what talking, I mean. I'm talking about like an NBA player meter. I, I think, mean, and, and somehow, why was Jeff Green good in game six and seven in that Boston series? That's, never, that's
1: my thing. I think if you're Cleveland, <laughs> you need to play the guy that give you, guys that give you a greater variance of outcome. So like Rodney Hood, maybe he gets hot. Kyle Korver, maybe he gets hot. Maybe Jeff Green has his one of his once in a blue moon 25 points per game uh, performances. Maybe that's what you get, but that's, I think, what you really need to roll the dice with if you're Cleveland. That's why I think you get to play Rodney Hood. I know it's so Gre- silly to say, when he's been so bad though but
0: there is that pantheon of guys of which jeff green has fallen into which you know it's the it's the rodney it's the uh it's the andrew wiggins rudy gay jeff green you know good enough to get you fired guys right like jeff green's
1: not even in the same class as
0: those guys i'm saying i'm saying i'm and every friggin' coach he's ever played for plays in 30 minutes it is the damnedest thing i've ever seen (laughs) Everybody believe, everybody has believed in him for a decade. Every one of them, Kev. So, like, I get it. He's not he, those
1: guys. You know so, what Kevin Garnett said about him, right? They are so... He is... He, do, do, I, do you know what Kevin Garnett said about him a couple, a couple years ago? I don't. L- okay, brace yourself. Oh. Brace yourself for this quote. Oh, great. Quote, I always said Jay Green is going to be one of the best ever to play this game. When you oh. watch him play, you see the glimpses. That's a I'll real t- quote by Kevin I'm t- Garnett. A real, I'm telling real quote.
0: You, I'm telling you, every single coach <laughs> has felt that way, and
1: Kevin Garnett.
0: Oh, listen, I walked into, I the the the, the Grizzlies acquired him. That dude started over Zebo and Tony Allen in the same season. It, like they just kept on. They were going to find a way that that was going to work. Some way. That was the Payton Prince trade, right? Yes. Yeah. Some way, somehow. They were gonna make that work. Oh, he's not doing well at the three, then we'll play him at the four. Oh, he's not doing like it was never his fault. And so everybody else ended up. Like I'm talking like guys that have their frigging jerseys in the Raptors were benched for Jeff Green. So uh, don't get me started on him.
1: I remember when he was in Boston. <laughs> we were totally bashing Jeff Green for no reason at all. But when he when when he was in Boston, I remember Brad Stevens at one point was talking about like Jeff Green's motor on the defensive end of the floor, like, like how he can how when he locks in, he's one of the best Defenders in the game but the question like it's a matter of getting him to lock in consistently it's just not gonna happen it's just not it's not who he is
0: oh and i'm well aware that it exists though because what happens it really is no he's the ultimate tease there's never been a player like him that the tease is that great because you if you watched game six and seven of that boston series you would go oh my god this guy's awesome (laughs) And then what?
1: We got two games in the finals. He had six points and... Seven points. Seven points, yeah. On, on five of 16, and in inconsistent defense. Yeah. And, and yeah. the thing that's always, I mean, we're really going off on Jeff Green, but nah, the thing that's well. always bothered me is that an elite athlete, six foot nine, long arms, always been such a poor rebounder. So that's like when we talk about like yeah. draft prospects, and we talk about small ball, and putting a like a six eight, six foot nine guy at the four, next to a big, or even using them at the five. Like the, the guy needs to be able to rebound. So with Green, you'd never really be able to do that without exposing yourself on the boards. So I'm just
0: I'm just saying, how do I create more space for the two guys? Because honestly, you are gonna have to have LeBron, and you're gonna have to have LeBron and Love go for over sixty. <laughs> Seriously. I know that sounds insane, but I mean, I'm penciling in, I'm penciling in LeBron for 40 and love for 20. That's at minimum. I mean, that's got, that's what's got to be happening. And you saw the other night. They had what they, I said they had 51. It still wouldn't have been enough. If they would have gotten to 60, they still would have lost, but I thought, I don't know. I was just kind of willing to write that one off. I thought they're. They're walking to their sure death after 48 hours of
1: everybody still talking about why, why, game why not, one. Why not write off the first one? So you, are you going to get another 51 point LeBron game? You, I think there's a higher probability you get more meh, blah, boring, you know, basic performances from everybody else on the roster than you are going to get 50 plus and like, and not just 51 points, but a super efficient 51 points from LeBron James <laughs> in that game. He was. Unbelievably efficient. I'm you, know, not, you know
0: what? I'm not ruling. I, all right. 51 is ridiculous. But I bet you, uh, Don Duadona in game three, he goes the hell off. They have nobody that can guard him without Iguodala. Nobody. Nobody has a chance against him. Like that first game, Kevin, and you were there in person. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my, in my life watching basketball. No hyperbole. I'm watching that game and I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, he's going to really beat them by himself. <laughs> like he was, he was unstoppable. They have not, they can't do anything with him. And so I, I mean, you know, he had what, Wait, 29 last night, but he wasn't, he didn't look the same. He had 13 assists. I mean, that, that was the bet that, I mean, the guy has 29 13 and 9 and it was like uh
1: that's my point. That's <laughs> what I mean. Like that's where the that's what the bar needs to be for him. Oh, you
0: don't think he'll go for 40 plus in game 3? Hey, I mean, he could easily. There is but but, uh, but
1: what I mean is like the super efficient 51 points on 9 of 13. That was a remarkable performance by him until overtime where PA um cooled off a little bit, but also I think it was largely due to the defensive attention that Golden State gave him in that overtime period where they just sold out on all LeBron. Like, they were collapsing into the paint, not allowing him to drive, forcing him to pull out mid-range jumpers. They, they played an unbelievable defense in that overtime, and that's what they can do if they need to. If it gets that down to that at the end of a game, that's what they can do.
0: I'm just, I mean, and he, he was obviously not what game one was, but I don't think that that is, I don't think it's impossible to, for him to replicate monstrous games. And I know this sounds crazy because he took 10 shot or 20 shots, uh, in game two, he took 32 in game one. Like dude, take 32 every night. I don't give a shit if you take 70 shots. Take them all. Like, it's fine that you're trying to get everybody involved, but like, they ain't, you ain't getting anybody involved that's helping you. So just do that shit yourself. And he might be able to. Seriously. Like, I mean, I'm not putting anything past him.
1: Oh, you can't put anything past him. Because of what happened to game one. He's the goat.
0: Stop. You slow down. You you, You slow down. Put it this way.
1: Let's let's just avoid. Let's move on from that. He's he's (laughs) one of the greatest players of all time. There's no doubt. So you you can't put anything past him. Of of course not. But the the point is is that he he needs more from everybody else on the damn roster, and I don't know if they're going to get that because of the fact that these guys are pretty average, Chris. They're average players. We've said it all season long. We said it in October. We said it in November, de- December, January. We said it w- right before the trade happened. Then there was a little little, little bit of a, a tease whether they looked good and they looked new and they looked fresh. But that fizzled very, very quickly. This team is who we thought they were. You think they're getting wiped out? Yeah. I said they were going to get swept before the series. I feel that way just as much now, if not more. I kind of think they're going to win game three it would be be really nice if this series got competitive. It would be really great.
0: I do. I do. Uh, you know, what was the game they what they they lost in three and won f- four what, last year, right? What, Didn't they win game four? What
1: makes you confident they're gonna win though? I, I mean I mean there's been even oh, even just, even, yeah. even last year, that game four that they won when Golden State had,
0: had because their team has been trash away from home in terms of their role players, like all those guys that you're saying Fair. you got to be able to count on, they've all been bad. Listen, we thought they were getting bombed out by the Celtics after two games. And I get it. This Golden State team is way better than that Celtics team. Yeah, we still that, thought they were getting sure. bombed out. And then all of a sudden, those guys came like, George Hill scored like friggin' 11 points yeah. in the first three minutes of the, of the game, game three, right? But, and, and and they blew him out. And I was like, good grief. Yeah, but
1: here's the thing. Boston was playing absolutely unbelievable in games one and two. Golden State can still get better too. Like Golden State can play better games. I know
0: they can play better games Kevin. So, so
1: that's what I mean like there's we're, we're talking about how Cleveland can get better how they can shoot the ball yeah, better how Kyle, this, they can get Kyle Korver going George Hill can get hot it's like yeah on the other side we can say a lot of the same things about that team as well KD in game 2 10 of 14 if they needed more from him maybe instead that's a a super effective 17 of 28 performance by KD there's there's more that Golden State can give Draymond said it after game 2 he says that he doesn't think that, that their team reached their ceiling. And I agree. I don't think they have either.
0: I do not think that Cleveland is going to win the series. So don't get me wrong here. But in terms of level of competition, I I don't know, man. Like I, I, We've been through this with him. And we've been through this with even this Cleveland team just a, a couple weeks ago when I watched a play against Boston. The other thing is this. You know this is true about the Warriors. That they have a propensity to dick around. And they've done it, even in these playoffs, even with, they lost the game, uh, to the Pelicans, right? And then turned around and mashed them and then went and closed it out at home. I, that's why I think like maybe they end up winning 4-1, but I kind of feel like Cleveland's going to get a game and that LeBron's got one of those where he just beats them by himself and the crowd gets on top of them and Golden State doesn't hit one of those big runs. And obviously when the tsunami hit, I even thought, Last night, I thought after, uh, they played really well. The Cleveland played really well coming out of the box because that's been the quarter where you get destroyed, right? And they won the third quarter, 34 31. And then they lost, you know, by nine, I think in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. You, you felt like, yeah. I, I... I guess I guess if I can't convince you if you think that they're uh if you think they're going to lose uh if you think they're going to lose big time I mean even this whole season that Cleveland team they were like a 500 team on the road Kev I mean they were bad I think they were 21 and 20 on the road so what was that what would that make them at home they were 30 they were 29 and 12 29 and 12 at home and then there were a 500 team basically on the road. So I just think they're a lot better and they were right there in game one. They had that. They had that game.
1: So you're banking on LeBron to have a, another historic night. Yes, that's fair. Yes, it's fair. And those role players that you talk about that
0: I talk about giving him no help that they actually make some shots like Jr. did like Corver did like George Hill did in in the last couple of series, I mean, I just we've we pronounced them dead over and over. I thought, I mean, hell, it looked at one point that they were going to lose to the Pacers. It looked like they were going to lose to the Celtics. And this guy has just willed them this far. I kind of feel like you might be able to will them again to a victory or two.
1: Sure, if if LeBron James has a historic performance, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers have a chance to win. I would agree with that.
0: Yes, and if, that's if, what and that's exactly what I'm banking on. That, that, that's
1: the bar they need LeBron just to be. The goat. Like, they, they they, need LeBron to have the type of performances that makes Jordan fans think, oh, maybe, no. maybe LeBron <laughs> is the greatest. That, that's not, I mean, it might not change your mind, but that's the type of night that he needs to have, or it makes you think. You know what I mean?
0: Well, there's no doubt watching game one, I was like, good Lord. Yeah, made you think, right? I mean, against that <laughs> Warriors team, but it's interesting. What was the word on Iguadala?
1: You've been there. He's, I think I think all likely plays games three and four. Yeah, yeah I, I think a, he probably a different It's back. a
0: different deal if he's health. You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know what percent he would be. Um, what do you think about Kirk starting JaVale? Obviously, the guy was just getting dunked for the first, you know, three minutes of the game.
1: I, I think, you know, one of the underrated storylines of the series is how easily um, Golden State's big men have been scoring around the rim, whether it's DeVale McGee, whether it's Jordan Bell, um, or even Kevon Looney a little bit in game one all three of those guys have been getting countless easy baskets inside the paint, um, like wide open at times, even um, with with no defender around them. And and it's odd because with Cleveland's switching scheme, you're it's meant almost to prevent that the easy baskets at the rim, but instead they're still getting them anyway, which is why I I wrote an article in the ringer where I I think they need to start trapping Stephen Curry um, a to get the ball out of his hands and B you're allowing open at rim opportunities anyway. Maybe just switch it up and, and, and see what happens.
0: So, well, I mean, it's because those guys are not honored at all. They're not. That's all they're, they're doing. Not. Right. It's not like you can throw them the ball and they can get you a basket. Like, does that ever happen? Do you ever see their big guys get thrown the ball and they like make a move and score a basket? It's just always right around the rim and finishing. I'm just standing there. The big has to rotate because I mean, obviously with the dribble penetration stuff, you're having, uh, you're having, you're having somebody, the big has to step up. And that's when they just toss it to Javel and he dunks it in. Yeah. Or he gets, blo- when he got blocked by the rim that first time around, what was that, was that game one?
1: Yeah. That was hysterical. That was great.
0: (laughs) Absolutely hysterical. But, I mean, he's been in – he has not been playing at all, JaVal. So, him starting game two was obviously a different wrinkle.
1: uh, You mentioned earlier how they never throw the ball in, just to throw a stat behind that. uh, In the playoffs so far, these are post-ups for Golden State. Kevin Durant has logged 67. The next closest is Draymond Green at 18. Then Clay at eleven, Sean Livingston at ten, and then nobody else has above seven. Um, yeah, Jordan Bell only has four post-ups. Kavon Looney only has three. Javale McGee only three as well.
0: Oh, to speak, yeah. uh, hey, to speak on that, this is a trip. I saw uh, Marcus Thompson uh, does an outstanding job covering the Warriors. He tweeted this out um, at some point, and I wrote it down. Uh, field goals attempted five feet or closer in the finals. LeBron, 24, Curry, 13, Love, 9, Tristan Thompson, 9, JaVale McGee, (laughs) 8. LeBron has 11 more than the next guy, and you want to talk about a trivia question I would have gotten wrong. Through two games, Steph Curry's had the second most attempts within five feet of the basket?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because he hasn't necessarily scored that well inside either, partially due to the fact that Golden State doesn't have great spacing, which is odd to say, considering they have three of the greatest shooters ever in KD, Stephen Curry, and Clay Thompson, but nobody else on that roster is a significant threat. So, like you said earlier, Chris, you know, Cleveland is able to, Cleveland is not worried about some of the other guys on their team, um, but that means they're collapsing inside the paint. And it's and it's giving less room for Steph to do his yeah, little trick I, finishes. Yeah,
0: I, and on the other side, I'd stick with. Uh, you know, I'm a big Kevin Love fan, Kev, and I would I'd stick with him, and I certainly would post him up more. I know that he's had trouble scoring uh, against them uh, so far this year. but I don't give up on that. That's what I'm saying. I throw, you know what I mean. I I make sure he, uh, he's on the same side as Corver, so that other guy can't pinch down. And I throw him the ball and let him go to work. I, I honestly think that might be one of my one of my better options in terms of being able to get buckets. Um,
1: you got to get him going. Uh, th- I know th- th- there there's a play I mean we discussed this briefly earlier, but there's a play like they run uh, a corner set, it's called where it, it essentially gets the ball to Kevin Love sometimes off a screen, um, gets him a spot up three, or he cuts to the rim from the corner of the floor. And I would like to see them run that a little bit more. Golden State hasn't defended it too well. Anything you can do, the more the more movement you get. I think Cleveland needs to get into their offense earlier as well. Um, get into their sets earlier, and I know they've played at a slower pace all season long. So again, you're asking the team to change what they've always done, but um, uh, changes need to happen. They, they they need to try new things. It's really as simple as that. I think.
0: Did you think the officials were horrendous? Because that was a sentiment that was going around.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, like in the arena, I didn't. Feel it as much. I don't think it had anything to do with like the Golden State fans or anything like that cheering. I just didn't sense it as much. Not watching on the broadcast. Uh, Maybe it was the angle I was sitting. Maybe it was the distance. um, But I I didn't feel it as much being in the arena. Now,
0: interesting. Well, you're not. It it does have to do with the fans. I don't. don't, It does. uh, It does. Because well, listen. If you are, if you're in an arena that boos constantly, the calls, then you start to notice it. Greatly. And obviously that was not happening a lot. I do think it's about probably being in that arena though, because everybody is not booing every call. I certainly think the Warriors got the benefit of the whistle last night. I mean, there was one play where LeBron got absolutely maimed. I don't think that the Warriors won because of the whistle, but I do think they probably got a favorable one. And that usually changes, right? Depending on who the home team is, because usually you do get a better whistle at home. So I know, I know. You said, Kev, that you didn't think that the officials played a big role, but well, maybe that's just it, social media. I mean, I
1: mean, it just didn't feel like they did. Yeah, I know. It, it, it being in the arena it didn't feel like it, but they, they they certainly did rewatching the game. Yes.
0: Okay, one other thing I do want to talk to you before we get out of here today is uh, some coaching news and that the Detroit Pistons, at least at time of recording, uh, had kind of honed in, it seems like, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, on Dwayne Casey, the former Toronto coach, and then surprisingly, John Beeline who is a college coach that I never particularly considered as a guy that might uh, try his hand in the NBA. But what do you think about those names as possible guys that are going to be on the sidelines for the Pistons?
1: Be Very interesting, especially Beeline. Um, for Dwayne Casey, obviously NBA fans know him uh, quite well after all his years in Toronto and and, and prior to that as well. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting that Dwayne Casey could turn around and get a job right away. We, we often see coaches take a year off, um, but Casey's ready to go, and I, I think um, if you're Dwayne Casey, the question would be, in my eyes, do you want that gig or would you rather wait for a potential better opening to come a year from now? Because we've talked about this Detroit situation before, Chris. It's not great. It's really not. It's not a great situation with that Blake Griffin contract. There's not a there's not a lot of room for growth for that team, um, I don't think. Don't have their first-round pick this this season, of course. Reggie Jackson's got two years left. Langston Galloway's got two years left. They don't have salary cap coming up until the 2021 offseason. Um, they're in a rough spot. My question is, if you're B-Line, do you want to take that job leaving Michigan? If you're Dwayne Casey, would you rather wait? Um, that 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 That's what I what my main takeaway. I'll tell you
0: this. If I can get John B-Line, I hire John B-Line. I think he is one of the great basketball coaches in the world, and I absolutely believe he would be Great at the next level. He's got a great demeanor for it. Can he be great with that roster though? Nobody can be great with that roster. So, I mean, it would take a couple years, right? But he would maximize it with Beeline, even going back to the Gansy Pitts Noggle teams. Like, I think he just maximizes rosters. I think the guy's great. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I covered the NCAA tournament the year that his Trey Burke team went to the title game, and I was in—I uh, was in Auburn Hills actually—and I was watching VCU play Akron, and I was sitting down on media row, and he came and sat right next to me throughout the entire game. He might have been one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life, Kevin. (laughs) So I swear by John Beeline. I do. He was so nice. It was like talking to somebody's
1: dad. Seriously.
0: We're like the the whole game.
1: I mean, that's the interesting thing about him. It's 65 years old, right? I know. Potentially making the jump to the NBA. It'd be fun to see it at least for
0: a little bit. Super cool.
1: Yeah. So I, 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 if I'm a Pistons fan and I know there's
0: there's a lot of crossover with Michigans fans and Pistons fans, so Michigan fans sure as hell don't want to lose B line. I get that. And another thing, special shout out to uh Monty Williams, another one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, total class act, and it was announced that he is gonna be the lead assistant for Brett Brown and the Sixers. And he will be <laughs> extremely valuable there. I'm I'm talking about good guys. Yes. Anyway, is one of the best guys. One of the best guys. It's going to do it for the Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next
1: week. See you, Kev. See you, Chris.